0: This segment sponsored by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Why the hell is everyone else up at Nemecolon? But the Man is not at Nemecolon. Madden is not at Nemecolon. I wanted to be getting drunk last night with Abby. Feeling
1: a little foam up from Nemecolon?
0: I am. Instead, I had to wipe spit up off, off my wife's breast. <laughs> it wasn't the babies. The Penguins would have a hard time winning the Stanley Cup, I think, With no deadline move, that now becomes an even bigger issue potentially if John Marino's going to be out for an extended period of time. There's no timetable now. If you missed it, Dejan Kovacevic saying he's got three places broken in his cheek— Let's stick with the forwards for a moment, though, before we get back into the defensemen. The Penguins have recently beaten the Boston Bruins, and they beat the Washington Capitals, and last night they hung in there with the Tampa Bay Lightning despite going 0-5 for on the power play. We know that the Penguins are a good hockey team. To even be in a playoff spot, With what they've had to endure in the most difficult division in the National Hockey League is a testament to really how good this team is and how good of a head coach Mike Sullivan is. But in order to beat those teams that I just mentioned, the three best teams in the Eastern Conference in a seven-game series, the Penguins need to get healthy, and Jim Rutherford needs to make a trade for a top-six forward. Earlier this week, Right here on 105.9 The X on his GM show, Rutherford talked about the deadline, and he said, quote, there's not as many guys as in years past on the marketplace right now, so the prices are a little higher than I'd like. I'll continue to try to do something prior to the deadline on a daily basis. If the right guy comes along at the right price, we'll be on it. If we don't do anything, we like our team. I like the team, too. I just don't love their chances, in a series against the better teams in the Eastern Conference without them making a move. Tampa has seven players who have scored 13 or more goals. They're deep, they're skilled, they're fast, they've got great goaltending. Paquette's a big dick tarnstrom. They're also sneaky physical. Washington and Boston are similarly deep. Each of those teams is skilled. Both of those teams are physical. The Penguins need to get Cahoon back. They need Bukestad. They need Dumoulin. On top of that, they need to add a player to help make up for the loss of Jake Gensel. Because Jake, for my money, is irreplaceable. A 40-goal scorer really isn't on the market. Maybe that ultimately kills the Penguins' season. Because there's a chance that that's the case. Still, acquiring a top-flight left wing to play alongside Sidney Crosby would absolutely improve the Penguins' top-end scoring, and it would lengthen their lineup. When you play teams like Boston and Washington and Tampa, it's all hands on deck. So you got to go make something happen, GMJR. And I don't so much care about the price. 412-333-9939, 412-333-WXDX. You could tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't really care what you have to give up. This team is good enough to win the Stanley Cup if... The right move is made by Jim Rutherford at the trade deadline. And that's not to say that they couldn't beat Boston without making a move or that they couldn't beat Washington without making a move or that they couldn't beat Tampa without making a move. But can they beat Washington and then Tampa? Can they beat Washington and then Boston? Can they hang in there against those teams for two straight series when you don't have the depth that those teams have? That's a big question for me. Again, you're not going to replace Jake Gensel. But if you brought Chris Crater in, well, at least you take a bite out of the void that he's left behind. If you bring in Jason Zucker, who could play left wing with Sidney Crosby, at least you're going to get some production from him. I don't love the idea of Jared McCann always having to play on that top line left wing next to Sidney Crosby. I love the idea of getting a guy to play next to Crosby, Dominic Smoke can help with the possession side of things up there, and he has been chipping in a little bit on offense. If McCann moves down then to the third line, you've added speed to that line, he's got scoring pop. If Nick Bukestad comes back, you can have that Hornet Panthers line that we've talked about before, where you've got Bukestad and you've got McCann alongside Patrick Hornquist. Now the Penguins are deep, because that third line that they have that's kicking right now, the Teddy Bluger line, it becomes your de facto fourth line, or those bottom two lines are interchangeable. But if you do not trade for a top-six winger, you're not going to have that trickle-down effect. We know that Nick Bukestad and Patrick Hornquist can really play well between the hash marks, below the hash marks. We know that those guys can cycle down low. We know that, as Dan Bilesman would say, they can grind bitches down. But I think you need to have a guy on that line that's got a legitimate shot. And, yeah, Bukestad, he can change the angle with his length, and I do think that his shot is heavier than maybe a lot of people would give him credit for, but I think you need a legitimate finisher on that line. It didn't work last year with Dominic Simone. They did maintain possession of the puck, but they weren't scoring enough goals. Now, maybe you don't need that. Maybe if you possess the puck and you're a shutdown unit, that can work too. But look at Tampa. You got to be able to score with them. Look at Washington. You got to be able to score with them. You're going to put them on the power play at some point. They're going to get their goals. And I don't care how good your goaltending is. I don't care how good your penalty kill is. Washington's going to score goals. Boston's going to score goals. The Penguins need to get an extra top-flight score. Jake Gensel ain't out there, but you got to get some reasonable facsimile or else I seriously have concerns about this team's depth. 412-333-9939, 412-333-WXDX. You can tweet me as always at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't understand why Chad Ruedel's been playing on his offside on that bottom pair. It has not made any sense to me whatsoever why you would do that when you've got this dude named Yusso Rico, who plays the left side and you could put with Justin Schultz. But now, you got to put everything back in the meat grinder and you got to figure out a way to field a lineup or ice a lineup, if you will, without John Marino if he's going to be out for an extended period of time. And it sounds like Dejan Kovacevic is reporting he is going to be out for some time. I don't know how long it takes for him to come back from a... Jaw injury. I know Sidney Crosby was out for, what, the better part of a month whenever he busted his jaw at the end of the 2013 season off the slap shot from Brooks Orbeck. Maybe you can fit Johnny Marino with a cage. But things are going to be tenuous on the back end now for the Penguins. Think about last night. You're playing the Bostons. You're playing the Tampas. You're playing the Washingtons. It'd be nice to have Brian Dumoulin in there. It'd be nice to have all hands on deck. Marino, Dumoulin, everyone. Let's go to Cody in Washington. What's up, man?
1: Hey, Adam, how are you? I'm great. What's up? Hey, um, what about Taylor Hall out of Arizona?
0: Man, I'd be shocked if they went and flipped him again. I'd be shocked Arizona if they traded him again. I know. I just I don't think it's gonna work out. I really, I really don't. I think the guys that the Penguins are legitimately going to be able to acquire are guys like Kreider and Zucker. And to Foley, those are all the names that I've heard linked to the Penguins. I've not heard Taylor Hall really linked to the Penguins anytime recently. Here's an interesting name that I got brought up to me on Twitter. That's not actually all that interesting. Connor Sheary. His contract expires after this year. He got seven goals, 10 assists, 17 points in 47 games. You know he can play that speed game. Is he really a fit, though, to be a top six winger anymore? Uh, you still need depth. I'm concerned that the Penguins might find themselves shopping in the bargain basement. And you might not get one of those top flight guys. Taylor Hall, I just don't see happening. Regardless of whether Arizona falls out of the race or not, I just don't see that happening. That's a nice dream wish. And that is a guy that could make up for the loss of Jake Kensel. But I just absolutely don't think that that's going to happen. The way that I see the Penguins defense core playing out potentially... If you do not have John Marino now for the foreseeable future, I think you've got Jack Johnson playing on the top pair. Not my favorite thing, but hey, it's necessity now. The mother of invention. He's going to play with Chris Letang. You could have Pedersen and Chad Ruedel, and he would be playing on his actual side this time. And then you could have Ricola and Schultz. Maybe a move Schultz up. It's going to be a little bit of a problem. Let's go to Dave. What's up, man? Hey, Adam. Uh, love this show. Thanks. Uh, just uh, wonder what you what you think about uh, Rutherford. Uh, maybe he's just
1: bluffing here, because I completely agree with you. I think we need, uh, and I'm hoping he thinks that too. <laughs> So yeah, I do, I, I do think he knows in. it.
0: I do, I do think he is bluffing. I mean, f- to an extent, right? But if I take him at face value where he says, I like this team, well, I agree. I like the team. I don't love it compared to the other top flight teams in the Eastern Conference. If you don't go out and make a move, you've got to find a way to create some leverage back on your side whenever there are like 10 teams out there right now looking for a top six winger so perhaps that's what he's doing the only thing that I think would create pause for Penguins fans is that Jim Rutherford has typically gone out and made trades well before the deadline and now what we're about two and a half weeks away from the deadline now Eh, not to say it's not going to happen I still think it Is going to. He's going to acquire someone. The question is going to be, is it a winger for Crosby? Is it a bottom six guy? Or now, is it a bottom six guy, a defensive depth player? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Colin tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. What top tier wingers are even available out there, and who could the Penguins realistically bring in? Well, we've been naming all the guys. I mean, Zucker, Kreider, although Scott Burnside says he doesn't think that New York is going to trade Kreider in the division, I don't know if I buy that because the other team that I've seen linked to the New York Rangers is the Boston Bruins who are trying to get Chris Kreider. Why the hell would you trade them to Boston and not Pittsburgh? Well, I know that they're not in the division, but I think you just go for whatever team gives you the best in return, and maybe the Penguins aren't going to be good enough there because their farm system, eh, it leaves a little bit... To be
1: wanted. I really limped to the finish there, didn't I, Tom? Badly. Yeah, really looking, bad. I think you were looking for the word desired. but ah, it just, could. You couldn't grab it somehow.
0: Couldn't grab it, looked at Twitter. I thought I'd be able to just autopilot through the word desire, look at Twitter, come back. Nope, didn't happen could that be. way. More on the trade deadline when we return. I also teased Pete Rose is up to his old crap again. We'll get to that as well. It's the crowd man.
1: In for double M. Desired. On the x Oh, you got your first complaint. According to the, uh, our call screener, Michelle, she said Frank called in and said he did not appreciate you taking a shot at Sullivan's wife. It's uncalled for, man. Oh, and for the you know, love no, no, of no, God. You know what? I got to agree with Frank, man. You can bash Sullivan all you want, but you leave the wife and you leave the family out of this. How would you like it if I started bashing your wife or saying I had naked pictures of your wife? Bashing my wife or banging my wife? Still wouldn't have. got me there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Stumble them. Let me hear you woo. I woo. Well, then you ain't talking, bitch.
1: DX at 105.9.
0: Adam Crowley in for Mark. Sports Radio Law says that at some point we've got to talk about Pete Rose. But John Marino right now, according to Dan Kovacevic of B- DKPittsburghSports.com, says that he is out now for an extended period of time. He's got three broken bones in his face. John Marino. Ouchie. Not good for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We've been cutting it up about the trade deadline and what the Penguins need. I contend that they cannot contend for the Stanley Cup without at least a facsimile of Jake Gensel at top line left wing. You need an extra score. 412-919-1316 is the number upstairs. Damn it. 412-333-9939 is the number here on the X. Mike in Monroeville next up. What's up, dude?
1: Hey, man. How's it going? Good. What's up? Hey, what do you think about... Do you think we've exhausted uh, trying to get Alex Galchenyuk going? Or
0: I don't know what else can be last. done with Alex Galchenyuk apart from... Mike, potentially putting him up in the press box and saying, hey, why don't you think about things for a little bit? The thing about Galchenyuk is it's not an effort problem with this dude. Galchenyuk's busting his ass all the time. His teammates seem to like him. GMJR, if he's going to move him, according to Josh Yo, it would be because uh, you like the guy and he just doesn't fit with the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you want to try to get him going, maybe you sit him in the press box, but I just don't think the fit is here. The Penguins want to play north and south and the Penguins are going to play a speed game. Alex Galchenyuk is more of an east-west kind of player, and Evgeny Malkin's been so good with Dominic Cahoon when he's been healthy, and Brian Rust. Well, Galchenyuk doesn't work there. Galchenyuk was never a fit for Sidney Crosby. He played five minutes and ten seconds last night. He was dreadful. What's up, Tom
1: Crowley? You got to let the callers have a little bit of a conversation oh. with you. All right, down here it goes a little bit differently since we get callers. You know, they they're bringing up some pretty smart points today. I'd have to say. So let's go to this next caller. I'm sure I'll have something smart to say, and then you know, keep him on, have a conversation with
0: him. All right, let's go to CJ and Export. He's got something smart to say. What's up, CJ? Ooh, uh,
1: hello. Uh, oh, I said good day.
0: Uh, uh, good day. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, okay, Penguins aside, we know like okay, fine. marc Andre Fleury, Vegas, fine. You know, the real thing here, A, B, my man, uh, you know, I'm not sure, given, like, if, okay, if you're going on Twitter, okay, and you're believing what you're seeing, then you're going to have a bad time. Uh, You know, I feel that a lot of this is designed, or should you say manufactured, to in- imply that you know, oh. I mean, what the hell are we doing here? Okay, that was my fault. Uh, what the I mean, hell's that I, guy like, saying? CJ all the way up, and I said that he had a good comment. He didn't even make one single point there. Maybe you should just dump the callers after they say, like, five words, because that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
0: I mean, if you're good, 412-333-9939.
1: They were good, and you've been dumping them, and then I think, hey, let's have a little conversation here with these guys. And this guy comes out, and he says, well, Marc-Andre Fleury Vegas aside, let's talk about AB, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. It's terrible. I said not all that long ago, it
0: was either on my show or this show, maybe on both shows, that as much as Galchenyuk has sucked out loud, and let's face it, he's sucked out loud, I don't know if I look at that trade from Jim Rutherford as a bad trade. Because at worst-case scenario, and we probably are at this point now, you get a good defensive prospect, and if Galchenyuk didn't work out, and he's not, then at least you gain some as Bob Nutting would say financial flexibility, and you might laugh at that and say, well, the Penguins aren't interested in financial flexibility. If they can find a way for some team that's in need of scoring to give up a late-round pick and take Galchenyuk's salary off the books, now the Penguins can be even more active at the deadline and obviously this summer with the cap room that they've accrued because you're not going to have Galchenyuk's salary on the books anymore. I thought it was worth it to get him in the deal as a guy who's been a 30-goal scorer in the league before that's got all kinds of talent as the third overall pick. But I also thought if it didn't work out, guess what? You've got the ability then perhaps to flip him. There are teams that are going to strike out on the trade deadline market right now that are going to try for the Criders, that are going to try for the Zuckers, that are going to try for some of these better players out there, Brandon Saad, guys with potentially some term on their contract, they're going to swing and miss, and they're going to say, oh my God, we need somebody that can score. Why not a rebound candidate? Don't give up much at all. And a guy who walks away at the end of the season, Galchenyuk. I think the Penguins could potentially move Galchenyuk. Absolutely. And that's one of the guys, the few guys I would move off the roster. A guy that I wouldn't, is Justin Schultz. And a guy that they can't right now, given the injury situation with John Marino, that they can't, is Justin Schultz. That dude who said he wanted to talk about A.B., he initially wanted to talk about how good the Penguins would be if they had Marc-Andre Fleury. Why do we always got to come back to that? Why is it always going to be, well, if the Penguins had Fleury, it's not even factual. I'm not going to spend more than two seconds on this, but Fleury's got a 907 save percentage. Matt Murray's got a 900 save percentage. Matt Murray's played really well his last 10 appearances. Tristan Jari, by the way, 219 goals against average, 928 save percentage. Uh, The Penguins don't need freaking Marc-Andre Fleury. Get the hell out of here. As far as Antonio Brown is concerned, I don't think people are believing him. Whenever he's going around and apologizing, but I can see right through what he's doing. All he's doing is apologizing because he knows he can't get back to the NFL unless he looks contrite. It's not about him actually being sorry. It's like when a kid steals a cookie from the cookie jar and you yell at him and they put the cookie back. And then eventually, like 45 minutes later, they apologize. They're apologizing not because they feel bad, not because they've done something that you've deemed as the parent as morally wrong. No, they are apologizing because they want the damn cookie. That is what Antonio Brown is doing here. He contradicted himself at every turn in that interview with the station across the street yesterday. At every turn, he contradicted himself. He didn't make any damn sense. He's talking about how he loved the Steelers organization and, oh, uh, he owes him apology, blah, blah, blah. Him and Ben, there's nothing but love there. And then he's acting as if he's not accountable for anything because, oh, no, it all is Heinz Ward's fault for back in the day, not being a great leader. Now, Antonio Brown's a jerkwad jerk-off from Jerktown. That guy's an assface and everything that he's saying from now on is not to be believed by people who actually have a brain between their two ears. All it is is, hey, I need my agent back, Drew Rosenhaus. Did you hear this, man? I'm doing therapy. Hey, Drew Rosenhaus, rest of the NFL world, didn't you hear? I'm sorry. Buddy, you can't apologize your way out of a rape accusation because guess what? I don't think the commissioner of the NFL is buying that at all. It's why you're still... Not really technically allowed back in the league, man. That guy ain't going to buy it because that guy wants it to go away. And nobody should buy it. You're accused of sexual assault. You threaten the person via text who is accusing you of sexual assault with a whole bunch of your dudes. And the next thing we see, eh, I guess not the next thing. There was a lot in between. But one of the big things we see recently is now he's throwing stuff at a truck driver. That's assault. That's assault. You can tell me, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I'm being accountable. You know what? I can't believe I've done this. I've made terrible life decisions. But if you say you've made terrible life decisions and then continue to make terrible life decisions, you're just a nimrod, a jerk-off. Let's go to Mark on the road. Maybe this caller will be good. Hello, Mark. Uh,
1: Hey, I'm curious about the – I keep hearing that uh, goalies are going to be one – I'm sorry, two goalies through the playoffs – We're no longer going to have a uh, series where one goalie plays the whole thing anymore. I'm wondering how that plays out with uh, the top shooters playing against...
0: Uh, The Penguins will find a goalie and they'll stick with him. If Matt Murray proves to play as well as he's played down the stretch, Matt Murray's going to be your goaltender game one against Columbus or Philadelphia or whoever the bleep it's going to be. He's going to be your guy. And if he falters down the stretch or if he gets injured, as he's one to have done in the past... Then you'll go with Tristan Jari. I think the Penguins want the certainty of having one goalie as their guy in the playoffs. And then, hey, if stuff goes sideways, then you can always turn to the other guy. But I don't think you want to be on a rotation going into the playoffs. I just don't think that's something that the Penguins want to do. Hey, the Islanders, last year they rotated two goalies. You can do it in the regular season. But I just don't think you're going to have a lot of success doing it in the playoffs. You can switch goalies. But I think you want to have a guy that, okay, we're going to count on you, and we'll see how it goes from there. Matt Murray, I don't know what people are worried about now. He's played really well lately. And Matt Murray, when the Penguins needed him to play his best hockey down the stretch last year, what did he do? He played his best hockey. On the Crowley Show, we called it the hashtag shirtless Tom March of the Penguins. Matt Murray in March had like a 940 save percentage, and he was playing every single night. Matt Murray, when he gets into rhythm, is a really darn good goalie. When he's playing a bunch in the playoffs – What have we seen? He's been really good. Won two Stanley Cup championships as a rookie. People don't need to be worrying about the Penguins goaltender situation. If anything, it's one of the things you don't have to be worried about right now. The power play, junk. The fourth line, not good enough. The health issue now with John Marino and Brian Dumoulin and all those guys, that's a problem. Goaltending? You got a guy who's got a 928 save percentage and you've got a guy who's won two Stanley Cups. Don't worry so much about the goaltending. In the Offseason, now it's worry time because you're going to have to pay Tristan Jari maybe three, three and a half million dollars. Matt Murray's going to want a new contract. It's going to command like six, seven million dollars. You can't pay two goalies ten mil. That's when you're going to have an issue. Right now, nothing but a good problem to have if it's even a problem
1: to begin with. Tom, do I have time to get to Pete Rose here? No, you're already waiting. What? We should have been at break a couple minutes ago, so we're going to have to bump him again to the next segment. Son of a bitch! Radio Law Pete. says i got to talk about Pete Rose! Well, we got another hour and a half of this show to go, so we'll get him in, I promise. Let's do it next segment. Pete Rose talk. Plus this. Oh. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be done in, what, at most two years?
0: Uh, broken elbow with the uh, masturbation injury? Another loss. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I don't
1: about? think it was a masturbation oh. injury.
0: Well, messed up elbow, Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger... He's going to play for, what, two years at most? Let me give my tease. They're lost. That might be bigger for this team. Yeah, bigger than Ben. I'll explain. Crowley, not Mark, 105.9. Uh,
1: you're going to play all your goalies in the playoffs? Don't make fun of him. Come on. I mean, he I mean, can't hear me. We're off the I air. I know, so. but still, it's fine. Don't make fun of him. <laughs> Maybe he did hurt his elbow by masturbating. I mean, Big, Big Ben? Little, I've got a little elbow fatigue before. It happens. Have you? Yeah, oh, yeah, it happens. You have not been master of your domain? No, no, no.
0: Switch to the offhand. I mean, you watch that Super Bowl halftime show, too. <laughs> Where are you? Nine. Adam Crowley in for Mark Madden. Dayon Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com reporting that John Marino's got three broken bones in his cheek. That sounds awful. Sounds like an injury Mia Khalifa might suffer. I always go to the Mia Khalifa well. It's something that I'm not proud of, but I tend to go there a lot. If you want to get into that, you can call up 412 333 9939 What do you do with the defense now? Do you move Justin Schultz up to play alongside Pedersen and then leave Ruedel and Ricola together on the third pair? I don't love that. I like Schultz being on the third pair and Pedersen being on the second pair kind of spreading out your goodness that way. But I'll take your thoughts on it at underscore Adam Crowley. Again, Adam Crowley from ESPN Pittsburgh filling in for Mark Caboli. Here's an unpopular opinion alert. I just said Mark Caballi, didn't
1: I? You did. You did. Filling in for Mark Caballi. I feel like I could do a better job filling in for Mark Caballi. Uh, it's not that hard to. The bar's very low. I would just walk around and be very upset all the time. <sighs> Let those out a lot. Eat a lot of food. That wasn't <sighs> fair. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that.
0: I can't believe I've got a right about the backup quarterback position. Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden yes. here on 105.9. Unpopular opinion alert, we're back to that. Kevin Colbert signed a one-year deal to remain with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's 63. He's got his toes in the water. He's got his ass in the sand time coming ahead for him. He's got retirement beckoning. If I were a betting man, and I am, I would bet that Kevin leaves when Ben leaves. What else does he have left to accomplish? That should terrify Steelers fans. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. You don't know what's lurking in the shadows. Fear of the dark is really just the fear of the unknown. Now I'm afraid of death. Do I rot in a grave in eternal darkness for all eternity? Will I be reincarnated as somebody's pet pig that they pet entirely too aggressively? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Purgatory? Will I be presented with dozens of virgins to deflower? Nobody knows. I'll bet on the rotting in the ground thing. It's terrifying, though, because it's the unknown. We don't know. I know that when Ben plays... Steelers have a chance. He's only missed the playoffs a few times in his career. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's never had a losing season. I know when he plays, they've got a fighting chance in every game they play, and they're going to be relevant that season. When he leaves, I don't know what that's going to bring. Perhaps they'll draft the next franchise quarterback, but history tells us That they're actually few and far between. Ask the Bears. Ask the Dolphins. Ask the Browns. Ask the Bills. Ask a myriad of different teams. It's really hard to get that guy. So that's scary. The Steelers have won championships with just two quarterbacks, Ben and Bradshaw. It's not easy to find the next guy. But as much as I'm terrified about Ben Roethlisberger retiring in the not-too-distant future, I think I'm equally as scared about seeing what happens to the Steelers after Kevin Colbert leaves. And I don't think that that's going to be popular. This is Mark's audience after all, and I know how much he appreciates Ben Roethlisberger. And I would imagine then, in turn, you appreciate Ben Roethlisberger. And that's not to say that I don't think Ben's great. Of course Ben's great. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I am just as scared to see what happens to these Steelers after Colbert leaves as I am as scared to see what happens to the Pittsburgh Steelers after Ben leaves. Maybe Omar Khan takes over, though he's more of a capologist, so maybe that doesn't work out. Perhaps it's Brandon Hunt. Maybe it's team outside hire. Uh Uh-oh, the fear of the unknown's creeping back in. Where are the virgins? I know that with Colbert as the GM... The Steelers have had one losing season in 20 years. I know that they've made the playoffs 12 times. I know that he's built some of the most talented rosters in football. And people say, Crowman, the Steelers have choked time after time after time whenever you've got Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert running the thing. But people tell me, well, it's one of the most talented rosters in football. They shouldn't be losing. Well, that first part is Kevin Colbert's job, building that talented of a roster. Now, sure, he's missed on picks. So has every GM in every sport ever. I know, though, what I can expect from Kevin Colbert. I know what I can expect with Ben. I'm not sure about the alternative. And I know that Colbert won't be around forever. I wish he'd be around, though, for another decade. He's reliable. He's solid. And I don't know what his replacement is going to be able to bring to the table. Think about the things that Kevin Colbert has done in his 20 years on the job. The Steelers have had just one losing season made the playoffs 12 times, gone to six AFC Championship games, appeared in three Super Bowls, and won two titles. People always tell me, yeah, but he missed on so-and-so. He missed on Ziggy Hood. He missed on Jarvis Jones. Every general manager in every sport ever has missed on a dude. Albert Pujols was picked in like the 26th round or something. Tom Brady was picked in the 6th round. There are busts all the time that happen in the early rounds in every draft. Ryan Leaf comes to mind. Think about the Cleveland Browns. They did not have a first-round quarterback this year. They have one of the worst quarterbacks in football this year, Baker Mayfield. Every single general manager, including Jim Rutherford, who I think is amazing, is going to make mistakes every now and again. It's how few mistakes do you make, and then how many home runs do you hit. Being a GM with GMJR, it's a lot like being a home run hitter. I think Kevin Colbert is a little bit steadier than GMJR. But you're going to have some swings and misses there, too. You're going to have guys that aren't great, like Jarvis Jones, who was absolutely a bust. But let me tell you something about Jarvis Jones. Every damn person in the country that's a draft, Nick, every damn person in the country that predicts mock drafts and things of that nature thought Jarvis Jones was going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And everyone thought he was going to be a good player because he tore up the SEC. The Steelers missed, but you know what? So did everyone else. Because if the Steelers hadn't taken him in the first round, somebody else would have. So there's been misses, but there's been way more success. I already told you about what they've done for the last two decades. He drafted Hall of Famer Troy Polamalu. Future Hall of Famer Ben Roethlisberger. Hall of Fame, I don't know if they're potential players, but Hall of Fame talent players, Le'Veon Bell, second round. Not even a first round pick. Antonio Brown. Crazy as all get out. We know this. This is a sixth-round pick. Marquise Pouncey is a Hall of Fame type guy with the all-pro seasons and the Pro Bowl season. David DeCastro, he's a Hall of Fame, talented kind of player. He really is. T.J. Watt on the fast track to get there. Three seasons, 34 sacks. Kevin Colbert brought all these guys in. That's a damn good resume. And I always hear, Crowley you can't draft defensive backs. Okay, it seems like he knows that. Because he goes out and gets Joe Hayden, he goes out and gets Steven Nelson, he goes out and gets Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't give a rat's ass how anybody gets on the roster so long as if they're good, they're there. So long as there's good players instead of bad players on the roster. Draft, free agency, trade, scrap heap, don't care. As long as they're there, that's what matters. And the point is, the Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight this season with Devlin Hodges playing games they didn't expect him to ever have to play. And you could say that's Kevin Colbert's fault for not getting a third quarterback. I'm going to ask this question. How many good third quarterbacks are there around the National Football League? The answer is zero. There's none. The Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight because their defense was great because he's built that defense. Kevin Colbert's a hell of a general manager. Yeah, if you're a Steelers fan, you're afraid of what's going to happen when Ben Roethlisberger's no longer here. I'm afraid about what's going to happen when Kevin Colbert's not here. And that's not to say that the Roonies in the organization, they don't have a history of success with a myriad of different people pulling the strings, because they do. Their history is they hire the right people, and they have for the last 50 years. I get that. But it's not easy to replace a potential Hall of Fame executive with another potential Hall of Fame executive. It might, dare say, be as difficult as picking a Hall of Fame quarterback to follow up another Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know what the next guy's philosophy is going to be. I know that the philosophy for Kevin Colbert has won. A lot. And you can compare the Steelers to every franchise around the National Football League not named the New England Patriots. I don't know if there's an executive I'd rather have than Bill Belichick. Look around. Who would you rather have? And this guy's probably going to be gone within the next two years. I don't have that as a fact, but I'd imagine he's going to tie himself to Ben. Or if he doesn't, maybe he starts what would be a pseudo rebuild. And then he's gone after. You don't do year-to-year contracts when you're 63 years old and it not be about, oh, I'm about to walk out the door. I'm scared what happens when he does if I'm a Steelers fan. Ben or Colbert? Which one scares you more walking out that door? Because I know Colbert can put up a good roster if there's no Ben. I know he can build a good team. Because he has. I mean, they won in 2000 and they won in 2001. They went to the AFC Championship game with Cordell Stewart. They went to the Championship game with Tommy Maddox, a quarterback. You're putting together a pretty darn good team. Now, Tom Donahoe and Bill Cowher had a lot to do with that. But Kevin Colbert's putting some sugar on top there, no? I know he can build a good team without a great quarterback. I really believe that. What I'm not so sure is if the next guy can do that. And it terrifies me. 412-333-9939. 412-333-WXDX. You can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. More on Ben Roethlisberger's elbow in a few minutes. Plus, one of the dumber takes I've seen lately. And it's about the University of Pittsburgh. It's Crowley in for Mark, 105.9.
1: I, uh, don't want to be this guy, but, uh, you didn't get to Pete Rose again. Mother! I know, I know, I know. Wow, look at you, you're just sulking right now in the corner. I'm doing All my Kaboli
0: right. impression now. All right,
1: we got five minutes, you can just sulk.
0: Gotta write about the Steelers today. He's totally
1: Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? He is. Like, in the flesh. Phone on! No.
0: Okay, someone tweeted me earlier and said you were leaving us up there in
1: breaks.
0: No, no, no. Except 105.9. Adam Crowley, Inframark Madden. This segment sponsored by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Adults 21 and over. Gambling problem. Call one 800 gambler My God, I read that like I've been doing it 18,000 times. I am so damn good at this radio thing. At underscore Adam Crowley, 412-9 no, what's the number? Three three three. Nope, you did the other uh, thing. You did man. the other thing. The ESPN Pittsburgh number. It's 412 333 9939 412 333 W-X-D-X. If you missed it, John Marino could be out for an extended period of time according to Deon Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. He says his jaw is broken in three different places. It wasn't a terrible effort from the Penguins last night, but it was frustrating, I think, because that game was there for the taking and they couldn't get it done because they couldn't get it done on the power play. The 94 seconds of 5-on-3 and you don't get a great chance apart from the puck skirting by Sidney Crosby's penis, it's discouraging. And I do think the power play is going to get back to being a feared unit. But right now, it's not close. They've shown flashes. They had a couple of chances last night. getting Malkin on, I think, the first power play of the night threw a pass through the open point, which was stupid. Chris Letang on the 5-on-3. He's walking in. He's got Brian Rust's stick on the ice. He fires the puck. Brian Rust doesn't get a stick on it. He flails at it. Looks kind of bizarre doing so. Jake Gensel finishes that. Or Jake Gensel at least gets a stick on it. Jake Gensel's not quite Patrick Hornquist in front of the net. Patrick Hornquist is good from like a foot out. Patrick Hornquist puts his giblets right up there in the face of the goaltender. They're right up there, up the goaltender's nostrils. Jake Gensel's really good in the slot. Or Jake Gensel's really good out like 10 to 15 feet in front of the net, getting those tips from that range. And I do think that they missed that on the power play. It's frustrating as a Penguins fan that they get Sidney Crosby back, and if getting Malkin, they missed him for 13 games. And you're thinking, okay, the power play is going to be fine, then Jake Gensel's done until God knows when. So you lose that piece. The power play, I think, is going to be better. It's not going to be 0 for 11 in back-to-back games if given that many opportunities. But it's a big reason they lost the game last night. Another reason, I don't want to talk about the Steelers anymore, by the way. I teased it. I don't want to get into them anymore. It's not Steelers season. I thought you people would get pissed about the Colbert thing. You didn't. Ah, you called my bluff. The fourth line's not good enough. And I know that that's a function of them being banged up I know that's a function of not having Nick Bukestad in your bottom six and not being able to have Jared McCann be in your bottom six and you don't have Dominic Cahoon, so you're moving guys all over the place is the point. But you don't have an effective fourth line whenever the guy who's leading the team in ice on that fourth line is playing five minutes and ten seconds. That is Alex Galchenyuk, and he was dreadful. He only played more than the other guys because I think he played 22, 23 seconds of ice time on the power play because they had so many damn power plays last night. He's not good enough. They're not good enough. I would suggest putting him up at the press box to see if maybe that can work something out with Alex Galchenyuk, but we might be past the point of no return on that guy. When the Penguins are healthy... Eh, I should probably not say it that way. If the Penguins are healthy, I think their bottom six is gangbusters. I think they can can contend for a Stanley Cup championship with that kind of depth. It's 2016-esque depth, I would think, with scoring and guys who are filling their roles on every single line. But until we get to that point, if we get to that point, you can't beat the Bostons in the Capitals and the Tampas of the world when your fourth line's playing five minutes. And I get that Lafferty scored against Washington, but you want to talk about few and far between, it's just not impactful enough. And I think the Penguins are in a position, if they're healthy, to be able to roll four lines, but right now you're throwing three out there, and for the five minutes out of the 60 that those other three dudes are playing, it's hold on to your butts time. It's get caved in possession-wise time. scares me a little bit. And I've said this a couple times on the show. I'm not afraid that the Penguins are going to miss the playoffs because I still think they're really good. But the injuries, they just never stop with this team. And if you look at the rest of the Metropolitan Division, yikes. They ain't quitting. The Jackets are super hot right now because they got that goaltender whose name I can't pronounce. And John Totorello is doing one of his best coaching jobs of all time. The Metro got Nasta won't quit, man. That Metro will not quit. So you don't want to be playing a fourth line that blows. But I don't know how fixable it is right now unless you get healthy. Wanted to bring this up before. There was some jack wagon that called in and said maybe the Penguins should trade for Taylor Hall. Yeah, the Coyotes are still in a wild card spot in the way, way not as good Western Conference. So they're not going to be trading Taylor Hall. They're going all in as this being the year they make the playoffs. And if you make the playoffs in the West, I'm not saying it's wide open, but it's way more open than the Eastern Conference, to be damn sure. I promised you I'd get to that pit take. Don't know if you give a rat's ass, but I think that anybody who says, Oh my God, it's so great that the Panthers got to keep Pat Narduzzi, don't understand how mediocre Narduzzi's been. Guy's 8-5 and five, three times. Guy's a handful of games over 500. He doesn't beat the teams consistently that you need to beat to win Coastal Division Championships. When they did win the Coastal, they wound up going 7-7 seven and seven that year. Paul Zeiss wrote a piece for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and the headline was, Pitt fans should rejoice about Narduzzi. If Pitt fans want to be happy that they don't have to start over again, like with Haywood and with Wanstead, and with Graham, and with the big, boring guy, Paul Christ, who wound up going to Wisconsin. I can understand why Pitt fans would not want to start over. But to rejoice? To shoot off confetti? Like, there shouldn't be babies being named Pat nine months from now, is what I'm saying. If you want to be happy that you don't have to start over, fine. No one should want to rejoice that they got to keep this guy. It's tough to have inroads, right, in recruiting, so you don't want to start over there. But to rejoice about having a mediocre coach? Miss me on that take. The Penguins need to make a deal to add a top six forward. We've been over that. I think they need to do so if they want to be a true Stanley Cup contender. There is one dude off the current roster, though, that they should not be intent on moving. Plus, of course, you got to get the Pete Rose. Crowley in for Madden, back in 30, ESPN Pittsburgh.
1: 105.90X. What X.